ships a cakewalk. If we're behind them, never mind, we'll fight and fight and kill the good old colony. Welcome to One-Eyed Tigers and Pies, the podcast where we talk about all things AFLW, so long as it involves Collingwood or Richmond. I'm Alexandra, and I'm a one-eyed Collingwood supporter. And I'm Tony, and I'm a one-eyed Richmond fan. Alexandra, great to talk to you again. I recognise we're a day late to our podcast, and we apologise to all our fans, but I think there was a good reason. You had a fantastic footy reason not to do the podcast last night, Alexandra. I did. We had Marby Lions had their jumper presentation last night, so I got presented with my first ever footy jumper. Fantastic. So the important question, the one I'm sure all the fans want to know, what number are you going to be playing this year? I'm number 17. Well, lucky you're on a Richmond podcast because in Richmond terms, that's royalty number. That's some of the the all-time greats of the Richmond Men's Footy Club. Uh, So... Jack Dyer, uh, Maurice Rioli, Paul Broderick, uh, some absolute great players have played in 17. Excellent. I'm pleased to hear that, but I actually care far more about Collingwood and I'm in Steph Chochi's number. Also good. Also good. Uh, so- <laughs> and, uh, and Scott Burns and Dane Beams. That's actually probably about it in my uh, my lifetime in the men's game. Right. So for the women, we've got Sarah Dargan and... Oh, she used to be Collingwood. She used to be Collingwood, so it's actually perfect. You have an ex-Collingwood player currently Richmond in 17. There you go. I'm very excited about 17. So, uh, yes, the other and in other exciting news from the Marby Lions, uh, we've recruited another Zoe. <laughs> We're up to six. Well done, so, Marby. So I do want to just say that if you name isn't Zoe and you still want to play for Marby Lions, you're most welcome. You are most welcome, but I do want to put a particular call out to Zoe's because uh, if you obviously we're a safe place for Zoe's. So if you would like to play football and your name is Zoe, uh, there's actually no option for you but the Marby Lions. So come on down, whether you're uh, whether you're new or very experienced, or your name is Zoe or something else, we'd love to have you. Uh, the bright side of that is you don't have to remember your teammates' names; just they're all called Zoe. And when you're calling for the ball, it's going to be much easier. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Which is good because I can't see very well. So I can't necessarily see who's kicking it to me. So um, so I'll just call Zoe and uh, and that'll be good. Anyway, great. So I hear there was some other football on the weekend, not just the Marby Lions. Uh, there... Not for Richmond, unfortunately, but I heard rumours that Collingwood played a game. Collingwood played a final. How exciting was this? This is a bit of a um, turnaround from last year. We played uh, North Melbourne in a final, which is... Exactly what happened last year, and we lost by two points. And this year, we won. Yay! Fantastic. Well done, Collywood. So, didn't do it easy, though, I have to say. You did make it tough for yourselves. We really did make it tough for ourselves. Uh, we were all over them in the first quarter. And, in fact, the first quarter and a half um, into the second quarter, well into the second quarter, we just – game was being played on our terms. It was absolutely sensational. Uh, and we in that second quarter, we just couldn't put it on the put a score on the board. Um, the turning point is a very amusing moment. Tani Brown did a beautiful piece of play, gathered the ball out of the out of a, a pack, ran around, ran into an open goal, and kicked it. Unfortunately, she was at North Melbourne's end of the ground. <laughs> oh, poor Tani! <laughs> poor Tani, and she was laughing, and and you know that's great. And, 
I can. It happens to the best of us. It's absolutely fine. Uh, so that she scored. That's scored as a behind for North Melbourne. Yeah, of technically, it was the deliberate momentum. behind. It, yeah, you could have called that deliberate. Called you deliberate. absolutely could because it was. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying? Uh, it, it swung the momentum. Uh, it really swung the momentum and North Melbourne then kicked six of the next seven goals. Right. That's fascinating. It was absolutely, like, it, it was funny. It was funny but funny, fascinating. I don't understand how these things happen. And maybe I'm putting too much on it. Like, and I also don't want to put too much on Tani because it's a mistake and people make mistakes. Yeah. And she came out and kicked the sealer. She did exactly the same thing at the other end of the ground, but in an even better piece of play um, and kicked the sealer at the end of the match. And let's remember her for that because that was a beautiful piece of play and it was absolutely wonderful. And I just do expect that that kick at the wrong end will make it to the highlights reel on her 21st birthday. Oh, oh, totally. I reckon when she was running into goal the second time, though, there must have been that moment in her head where she went, just think about it, just think, yes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so the whole middle part of the game was not a lot of fun Um, and we went went into three-quarter time 14 points down or something like that, and kept North Melbourne scoreless in the last quarter while we piled on three goals to uh, to run out winners. Right. Well, that's a great – that is good form to move into the next week on. It absolutely is. Um, how good is Brie Davey? I think we know from this podcast she's mentioned every week as playing a great game. She is mentioned every week. Uh, but this week, seriously, 31 disposals. And I know disposals aren't everything, but the next closest person had 22. So 30 from either team. So 31 disposals, nine tackles and seven clearances. And I'd love to see the stat too on broken tackles because my guess is she got tackled, just ignored them and went on and disposed of the ball anyway. Yes, indeed. She did that pretty much every time she got the ball and got tackled. So she was she was absolutely outstanding. So that's the wrap for Collingwood. It was great. We came away with the win. The first ever final played at Victoria Park um, and our first ever finals win. So very, very exciting. I did not realise it was a first ever finals win. That is a fantastic achievement. The girls would have been stoked. They were. It was, yeah. Yeah, standing up at a big game like that I think does wonders for the confidence knowing that when the pressure came and particularly being down, three goals or so, and then having the ability to stand up under pressure in a big game and turn it around, I think that'll stand to be in great stead. I think it will for next week against Brisbane in Brisbane. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it again, we will win. I love your confidence. I would be disappointed if you didn't think you were going to win. Give us a, give us a margin. Give us a prediction. Oh, um, seven points. Seven points. Okay, I'm going to say it's five points with a dodgy umpiring decision on the siren that gives you a kick at goal and breaks Brisbane's hearts. <laughs> so it gives us a kick at goal and we... And you score it and you win oh, by five. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay, I love it. That's beautiful. Yeah, because there's nothing... The only thing better than winning is breaking the opposition's heart as you win. Yeah. Yeah. I gave us seven points so that the last minute wasn't quite that stressful. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the side of the uh, enthralling story rather than the relaxed fan. 
Okay, thank you. One of the reasons that I am confident is uh, is our interview with Chloe a couple of weeks ago, and she talked about you know almost looking forward to a chance to get back um, at Brisbane after they beat us a couple of weeks ago, and not letting that happen to the, to them again. Um, I think one of the things she said was, "You learn from every game, but you learn an awful lot more from a loss." So Collingwood will have learnt more from that last game against Brisbane than Brisbane did, and we were only two points behind. Yeah, Brisbane came with that game plan. Collingwood will be ready for it. And yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what uh, what they dish up. Yep. Cool. All right. So that's Collingwood. What about Richmond? Well, it didn't play this week for some reason. I must have forgotten about us. Uh, look, I thought I'd take the chance just to have a, a – uh, Talk through a couple of things about Richmond. Looking forward uh, uh, next week, maybe I'll have a look forward to what the draft and trades up. But this week, I just want to celebrate some of the achievements this year. First of all, congratulations to Cordner, Conti, Brennan, and McKenzie, who made the forty-person All Australian squad, which is a fantastic achievement. Uh, interestingly, three of those were recruits from other clubs. McKenzie was their only draftee, but. But Mackenzie is pretty much a shoe in for the um, the Rising Star Award, you would think, wouldn't you? I would think there's been some great, great young players, but I think Mackenzie's had as good a season as any of them. So absolutely, she should have made it. Uh, I do want to uh, also uh, give uh, a turkey to the AFL website for when they did their best twenty-two, and they put Brennan in, but they completely forgot Conti. Very disappointing. Who did? So the AFL put out their best 22 for the season and they completely didn't put Conti in the midfield or the interchange. I'm joking. So if the All-Australian team does that as well, ridiculous. But Conti absolutely should have been best 22, I think, in the season. I don't have any doubts about that. All right. So what else happened this week? Uh, We did, unfortunately, some players were delisted. So Holly Whitford... Uh, Lukoski Hay, Saxon Jones and Emily Harley all uh, were delisted. Almost none of them played a game. Uh, Whitford did play our first ever game against Carlton. I'm not sure if you remember this, but the so Holly Whitford used to play for Collingwood. Right. I do, I do remember that, yes, because I do remember when she came across, she said you were a little surprised that she got another chance given she didn't play that well for Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Holly. <laughs> Really, yeah. I'm sorry, Holly, because um, because we actually have a connection to Holly. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm doubly sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be rude. Um, the very first ever game of AFLW that I took you to that was a that was a VFL game, wasn't it? Uh, no, no, it was an AFLW game. Okay. Was... So the very first AFLW okay. game. Okay, that was at Vic Park, Collingwood. Oh, I forget who they played. No, might who, have been the Bulldogs. Might have been. Mm. Um, it was our sister's 50th birthday party mm-hmm. and we snuck off to go to the football. <laughs> we didn't tell them that, did they? Did we? They'll never didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I remember the day. Yeah, you remember the day. And we were sitting in the grounds, you and Dad, and sitting in the stands, you and Dad and I, and wanted to get a selfie and we weren't doing a very good job with the selfie and the girl behind us offered to take um, our photo. And right. that was Holly Whitford. She oh. was sitting 
we were sitting in front of the player stands and we recognized her and her picture was actually in the record and so we had a little bit of a chat about her (laughs) i do remember that now oh that's awesome well holly thank you for being a fantastic dual club player and taking our photo Okay. okay um Yes, so they're the four people who've been delisted. I, I suspect there'll be more to come. Um, there's a few people who are probably on, didn't play this year and are probably on a little bit of shaky ground. The stat I found interesting, because you know I love my data, is that uh, we've actually drafted 16 players so far. You know, obviously not counting all the people who've come in from other clubs, but Richmond's drafted 16 players and we only have six left now from those two drafts, which is quite an unusual number after just two years. You have been a little critical of Richmond's drafting and recruiting strategies in the past, and I'm beginning to feel like you might have had a point. Yeah, yeah. So, look, we've found a few good players, but let's face it, Mackenzie was a standout pick one. Uh, Mole and Dempsey and Lavey look all right, but beyond that, yeah, I think we've got a way to go with our drafting. I think the other thing I'd come out of it with is I think we're probably still a couple of drafts away from getting that depth that we need to be really competitive with the top teams. Yeah. Um, so the good news is the drafts are just going to keep getting better and better mm-hmm. in terms of young players coming up. So, you know, you've got some to come. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, next next week I may have a bit of a look forward, do a bit of research and who we could possibly pick. And I may even do some research on the incredibly convoluted draft that means certain people are zoned to certain areas all because – you can't actually have people just going to anywhere in the country because they're not full-time athletes and the AFL is not taking women's football seriously enough. <laughs> Thanks, Tone. <laughs> One final thing I would like to do before I uh, jump off. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you go, before you do that, um, you mentioned earlier that you had four players in the 40-person All-Australian squad. Yes. Collingwood had six. Uh, you... Only had two players in the best 22 under 22. Right. I don't think I saw the best 22 under 22. It just came out today, so you might not have had a chance to look at it and you're going to ask me who they were, but I can't actually remember. I know Collingwood had four, um, Jordan Allen, Lauren Butler, Michaela Can, and Chloe Malloy. They put Michaela Can in the midfield, which is interesting because I'm pretty damn sure she's never played in the midfield for us. But um, Okay. Uh, so you only had two players in the best 22 under 22, and I would suggest that is not a good sign. No. And I... sorry, it's actually it's actually the f- squad of 40 for the best 22 under 22. Right. Uh, you don't need to tell me who they are because it's Conti and Mackenzie. Oh, uh, of course it is, yes. <laughs> so far above <laughs> the rest. Uh, but, yes, absolutely. They're outstanding talents, but, oh, yeah, there's a big gap, and I think we, we really need to go to the draft and, and load up with some more talent over the next couple of years. Hmm. Well, one thing I did want to do before we jump to our next segment is I just want to have, I'm going to have a go. I'm going to throw it out there and predict the top 10 of the best and fairest. And I'll see how I get. I figure, you know, it'll be like, you know, three points for right position, right, right player, right position, and one point for getting them in the top 10. And if I score 10 points, I reckon that'd be massive. But based off what we've seen so far, I think it's going to go Conti, a pretty clear number one. She was outstanding. Brennan, I was critical of her at the start of the year, but she came home brilliantly with a bunch of three-goal performances, and she was she was great. Uh, Cordner has to also be one of the recruits of the year. 
uh, hailed down our back line. McKenzie, brilliant first year. In fifth, I'd have your favourite, uh, Gabby Seymour. Really? I, oh, yeah. So I'm not I'm not arguing. I think she's wonderful, but I didn't actually see her do that much to be that great. Gabby Seymour, she dominated the ruck, I found. Around the ground didn't do much, but if you check the hit-out stats, she won, I think, almost every game. There was one game that she got on top of, but Terrific. she absolutely won the midfield. Um, but potentially, I'd say you could easily swap it with Hosking, who I thought Hosking was sensational as well as another mm-hmm. recruit. Um, and then after that, I would say they're probably, the, for me, the clear top six. Uh, filling out the rest, uh, Sarah Darcy finished up as a good season in the end. Sophie Molan. Uh, then probably at ninth, I had uh, Brent Catsano. Uh, definitely stepped up this year. Still got a long way to go, I think, to be... Uh, um, to be to become the player I think she can be, but definitely had some potential. And rounding out the top ten, I had Miller, who had a surprisingly uh, good year. She was very good two years ago in the VFLW. Then I think didn't didn't have a great year last year, but really stepped up in the back with uh, with Cordner. So based on who you've talked about on our podcast. I think the top six are probably shoe-ins. Yes, I, I think the top six. I, I'm pretty confident the top six are the top six. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see with the rest. I haven't heard you talk much about any of them other than you complained that Sarah Darcy wasn't as good as you wanted her to be. That's right, but in, in her defence or my defence or someone's defence or just to point out how hypocritical I am sometimes, uh, <laughs> she did really uh, have some good games at the back end of the season, which snuck her in at the top there. She did. And can we also just point out that she did move from being a full forward to a full back in the change of clubs. So right. that's pretty, that is a pretty significant thing to have to get your head around apart from anything else. So That's right. And you can probably imagine it takes uh, quite a while to actually learn the new game plan. I mean, generally speaking, you'd give people an extra season or so. You know, the, the eight or so games that we got this year is only just enough to really get started. So high hopes that she can uh, improve and continue to improve next year. Sounds like a plan. All right. Moving on to my favourite segment. Do we have a rant this week, Alexandra? We do have a rant. I want to rant about the television coverage of women's football. This should be easy because, to do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you can join in because it's absolutely shit. The coverage on the weekend of the game at Victoria Park, like quite seriously, you couldn't even see the ball most of the time. Like either it wasn't wasn't in shot or it was so far away that it and just blended into the background because the the quality of the footage as well as the fact of where it was being shot from and that it was moving, it it was just dreadful. It's absolutely dreadful. It's like they've got their work experience students doing... The, um, doing the coverage. Yeah, so there's there's actually a couple of problems I see. One is the positioning of the cameras. Often they're down so low, you can't get any zoom or any perspective on what's going on. And then the second one is, yes, that they don't seem to be following the ball. I mean, this is, this is worse than 70s men's football coverage. Yeah, it's significantly worse. It's worse than the VFL coverage. Like I don't mind watching the VFL on the telly on the Saturday afternoon if I've got nothing else on actually quite enjoyable to watch it this is not even at that level it it is it is truly dreadful so the thing is about women's football and supporting women's football and creating a competition for women 
The AFL seems to think it means we just give them a jumper and say, go on, you have a play, see if you can be as good as the men. That's what they think supporting women's football is all about. Now, we've talked about our priorities before, full-time female footballers being paid fairly and playing a proper length season. Absolutely. We know that's the priority. Everything else will come from that. But fundamentally, they also need to be supported as well as their male counterparts. And that means coaches, medical teams, administration, and marketing. And marketing, a key part of that is not just, hey, look at our website. It's uh, you're watching this game and it's as enjoyable to watch as any game of football at a top level. Yes, and particularly during the finals because this is the good teams all playing each other, playing their best football in matches that really matter. This is the key time when we can actually attract people and get them enthusiastic about it and wanting to watch and support a team And seriously, nobody's going to bother. You would not bother tuning in again if you caught. It's hard to watch. Seriously, if I wasn't a Collingwood supporter, I would not have been able to keep watching. Um, It was was just way too hard. So you you have to be serious about it. You have to take this seriously and put the effort and the commitment in to actually making this something that people want to watch. And it's not even just you want the product to be great, but you also want it on at a prime time as well. These are your finals. This is not like getting in the game on the weekend or whatever. You want this on at a time when people are going to sit down and want to watch it on TV as well. Yes. And I've complained about that before, certainly during the season with the ridiculous times that uh, that they had the Richmond Gamers on on the Friday. It's almost like the AFL doesn't really care about women's football. It's almost like that. If only I'd heard that somewhere before. (laughs) So come on, AFL, take it seriously. I know you listen to this podcast. Hang off every word we say. Take the football seriously. Put it on in the showcase that it deserves because it's a bloody wonderful product to watch. We love it. Yes, and get some decent camera angles out there so we can actually see what's happening. That's right. Give us a go. I I can go be a work experience kid and (laughs) work one of the cameras. Let me know. Yeah. Well, the finals this weekend are at the Gabba and the Adelaide Oval, so there should be no excuses for not having the proper camera set up. So we'll see how that goes. No excuses. They'll be in the right position. Now we'll just see whether or not they can actually put the A-team onto working the cameras. Yeah, and choosing where it goes and whatever else they do. Well, thank you, Alexandra. Fantastic. Fully supported. Excellent. All right. Now, I would say it's time for my favourite segment, but I've got to say this segment has died off a little bit in the last few weeks, but let's do it anyway. Here it's time for Duffy Watch. (coughs) Keeping an eye on the kick-to-handball ratio of uh, Fremantle superstar Sabrina Duffy. Yeah, so Sabrina Duffy had one kick for one goal. Yes! But then she had four handballs, so... I've got to say, I think I'm with you. I think this segment is a bust unless something miraculous happens and given that Freo got knocked out this week, it's pretty sure I'd not have to. I think this might be the last instalment of Duffy Watch. Not that we don't love you, Sabrina, and and think you're fantastic, but I just don't really think the stats are as interesting as I'd once hoped they were. (laughs) So the moral of this story tone might be let's not, build a segment on one the results of a single game. I think that might be an important lesson. 
<laughs> okay, well, thank you, Duffy Watch. It's been fun. <laughs> can, can I suggest that uh, perhaps next time we have a segment, we start with uh, looking for other stings as well? Because much as I love the drumbeat intro to Duffy Watch, I feel like we perhaps as we move forward and this podcast becomes more sophisticated, we perhaps could think about having stings or intros for our various segments just to break it up. Sure. Okay. You can do that. You, can do that. you, you find them, send them over. I'll include them. I'll work All on it. All right. I reckon that might be us for the week. It's been fun as always. I appreciate the chat. And I think we should sign off with our usual farewells. Go Tigers. Go Pies.